Amen. Would you pray with me? Holy God, we do thank you that you are alive and that because Jesus rose from the dead and your spirit is with us here today, we can trust that you are a God who speaks, that you are a God who does not leave us alone, but calls us out of darkness and into your marvelous light. And we ask this morning as we lift up the name of Jesus, that you would speak to us again through your word and through your spirit about your light that you want to shine into our hearts so that we can grow in that light to become light in a dark and a hurting world. Bless us this morning as we turn our hearts to you and seek to follow Jesus as his true disciples. It's, his name, it's in his name that we pray. Amen. Well, as Greg has shared, my name is Kurt, and I'm one of the pastors here. Uh, if you are visiting with us, a special welcome to you. Uh, you can help us get to know you better. If you want to turn in a Connect card, uh, you can uh, hand that to somebody in the lobby at our Welcome Center, or you can bring it to coffee with the pastor this morning. Uh, we do that the fourth Sunday of every month, and we'll be right across the lobby in Fellowship or in the uh, Fireside Room, and we'd love to meet you personally and find out uh, what brings you out to Faith Covenant this morning. Uh, my family and I, Tammy, my wife, and my son Lucas, who is uh, 13 going on 14 uh, this next month, had a chance to have a renewal break this summer, a sabbatical uh, time off, and we were able to get some rest and renewal to travel around the world. And uh, last week, we launched kind of a series called uh, Real Life Together Unpacked, where we're talking about uh, some of the key learnings that uh, we are bringing back from summer and also listening to what God was doing here in the midst of this faith community over the summer and trying to find where God is leading us in the midst of all of that. The theme for the summer was uh, keep in step with the Spirit, and we based it on Galatians 5.25 that says, since we live by the Spirit... Let us keep in step with the Spirit. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. But the question is, well, how do you do that? Uh, what does it look like if we're keeping in step with the Spirit? And last week I introduced a, an even deeper question, I think, for me personally, that I've been seeking answers to is, what does it feel like if we're truly keeping in step with the Spirit? Not just emotionally, but what does it feel like physically, emotionally, mentally, and spiritually, if we are living in the flow of the Spirit's work and power in our lives. I, I want to know what that feels like. I, I want to live in that place. I want us to share that kind of experience together as a church. And we talked about how there are three things that, that I think have stood out for me from the summer. And as I'm hearing stories from our staff and our leadership team about uh, what God has been doing here, it seems like we're, they're, they're lining up with where God is kind of prompting us to look for the future as Christians in a faith community here. And the first one is uh, we need to learn to travel light. Right? Traveling around the world with suitcases and navigating international travel taught us about the things that are essential and the things that are not. And in order to better keep in step with the Spirit and to keep in step with one another, we're learning that often less is more. Often less is more. The second thing is uh, we learned about shared experiences and, and that if you want to be more than merely a tourist in life, you have to have shared experiences with local people. How do we get good at creating shared experiences with one another and with our neighbors and with people in the world so that our, our faith isn't just kind of a touristy faith, but it's a, it's a real life together that we're living in relationship in a real world where a real God has called us to be on mission with Jesus. 
And then the third one ultimately is soul care. How how do we get good at caring for our own souls? Because the first most important responsibility each Christian has, we said last week, is the stewardship of their own soul. Why? Because you are the best gift that you have. In fact, can I say you are really the only gift you have to give away to those you love the most, to God and to others. And so pursuing this guiding question about what, is it, what does it feel like to keep in step with the Spirit and, and what is our experience as a faith community to live that kind of a life together in many ways is, is causing me to want to unpack some things in my own life to understand how do I begin to change my own perspective and my own experience so that I can live more freely into the kind of life that I believe that God is calling us to live into. And I think we're beginning to ask those questions as a church as well. And one example of that, that, that we're going to try and put into practice, and, and I recognize that, uh, you know, Leadership 101 says that too much change too quickly isn't good for a faith community, right? And, and yet, if we're going to keep in step with the Spirit, we're learning we've, we've got to be able to run quickly when God wants us to run. And we've got to stop and pause when God wants us to stop. And as we've been talking and hearing what God has been doing here at Faith Covenant Church, what we've been hearing is that there has been a a movement of God's spirit and somehow that was connected to all of us being able to worship together in one worship time at 10 o'clock. And and that there's a a, a grieving that many of you are experiencing of a loss of the goodness of what we had in the summer and, and having to go to two services in many ways that allows us to do a lot more things and creates room for guests. And yet uh, we're missing something of the Spirit's work by by going to two services. And so I'm going to announce today that your staff and your leadership team has mutually discerned that God is leading us to go back to one service at 10 o'clock. Amen. And we're going to do it quick. We're, we're, the Spirit is calling, and we're going to move uh, starting the first Sunday in October. So not, this, not next Sunday, but the Sunday after, we're going back to, to one service at 10 o'clock. We've been hearing that, that there's a, a greater sense of what God's doing in us when we are truly together, and that somehow there's a core value of doing real life together, which is our vision and mission to actually worship together. I've heard that it feels more like a truly intergenerational experience when we're all together in the same room, and there's enough energy and momentum coming out of the summer that it just seems unwise for us to too quickly assume that we have to stay at two services. Now, that's going to require some changes because if we were planning for new people to come and to have room, we're going to have to get more seats in here, right? So, so be prepared. Over the coming weeks, we're going to see some physical changes. We're going to try and create more room and buy more chairs and trying to figure out how do we wisely steward the gift of our facility and our opportunity to worship together. It'll impact some of our schedules, uh, but if you have any questions or concerns or want to talk about it, we're going to have a town hall meeting next Sunday uh, between services from 1015 to 1045, and if you want to come and hear more about our sense of God's leading and what some of our ideas are, our ideas are for the future, uh, we'd love to talk with you more about that. But Sunday, October 6th, we're going to learn how to travel light and pursue a shared experience so that we can all discover how to do soul care better together by worshiping together at 10 o'clock. 
Now, I suggested last week that the answers to some of the questions that are coming out of the summer, I think, are leading us to have a better focus and clarity on what it means for us to live a real life together. And this is just one example. And the key question for me is, what does it look like for us to be more effective in our spiritual lives and not just busy? What does it mean for us to be more effective in our lives and not just busy? And and the first step I suggested is that we need to learn how to travel light. Now, as I was preparing this morning's message, I'm recognizing it's about three sermons in one. Uh, So I have a lot that I want to share, and we're going to fly over a lot of it quickly. And and we'll probably have to do like a whole series on each one of these down the road. But I want you to hang with me. There's going to be a lot of information for you today. but, But I want you to listen for those key things that maybe the Spirit has for you that can be an area where you can immediately apply some of these things in your life so that you too are learning to unpack some of the areas of your life that you need to let go of so that you can travel light. We were reminded as a family while we were traveling that we don't really need all of that much in our lives to be happy and healthy and functional in life. In fact, having less allowed us to experience more, more of our shared time together, more awareness of the the experiences that we were seeing around us as we were traveling around the world and to focus more on enjoying our life and our time together. Hebrews 12, verses 1 through 3 that we'll have on the screen, we can read along together. It says, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. And men and women, I'm afraid to say that so much of our experience of life in this world is weariness and disheartening. And the challenge is, how does our faith overcome the weight of the world so that we can experience the same joy that was set before Christ that allowed him to endure the difficulties and the opposition from sinners and even death on a cross? So that we can discover on the other side the lightness of life and the joy that he came to give us so that we wouldn't have to go to the cross, but we can discover our joy in our life with him. Now, I shared last week, my tendency in reading this passage is to, to, to assume that, that what the author is saying is that I need to get rid of all the sin in my life in order to experience the freedom that Christ has offered me. And, and while that's partially true, I also want us to not skip too quickly the first part of the verse, right? He first says, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And that's a really important and, because if we look at the question of what is it then that everything that hinders that isn't just sin, but it could also be maybe some good things in our lives that we need to let go of. There might be some godly things in our lives that we have to begin to say no to in order to create space and room for what the Spirit is wanting to do in our lives in this new season. And maybe that's true for you individually. Maybe it's really important for your family to experience that. Maybe there's things that we as a church need to say no to, like two services at 9-11, in order to experience what it's going to be like to live in step with the Spirit in our lives. Let us throw off everything 
that hinders. Anything in your life and in my life, the Bible is telling us, should be up for grabs when we're making Christ the priority in our lives. So how do we begin to identify the things that are hindering us and are weighing us down, that are preventing us from keeping in step with the Spirit? As we said, sometimes it is sin in our lives, and we have to be honest with ourselves and honest with God in those places where we know in our own hearts we've been resisting God, right? We've been walking away from what God says is right and good, and we know that we're falling short, and we need to to work on allowing God to change our hearts and our attitudes to get right with him again. But also, some of those very good things in our lives have to be on that list. And, And is it possible that even good things can become sinful things if we're not willing to be obedient to Christ's call to say no to them when he calls? See, I'd like to suggest we first have to admit our own weakness and our own inadequacy as fallen human beings to not get distracted in life by all of the things around us. And and what the Bible is telling us here is that, that we have to be prepared to understand that the world around us is going to resist our desire to change to a more Christ-like life in our lives. In fact, they're not only going to resist, but there's some people who are actually going to stand in opposition to those changes when we try to make them. And I'd like to suggest for us this morning that not only will the world around us want to resist our desire to change and be healthier and more joyful Christians by letting go of those things that hinder us, but even our own hearts are going to resist the desire to change. We can say yes, yes with our minds, but our own hearts are going to resist and we're going to want to cling to what's familiar and those patterns of behavior that are, that are comfortable and they're comfortable because they're familiar because to let go of those things is uncharted territory and we don't know, we don't believe, we don't have faith, we don't have trust that if we let go of them that we're going to be okay and we're going to be able to manage life and relationship in this world. And what God is telling us is that if we learn that he has the power to keep us in his hand, then we can live more freely by letting go of those things that we use to manage and control our lives. Because we don't do a very good job of it, do we? We have to admit our own weakness and inadequacy. And and in order to do that, we, we have to fix our eyes on Jesus. When we find ourselves distracted and unfocused in life, we have to pause long enough to lift our eyes to the cross of Christ and be reminded that that Jesus' call in our lives is to live abundantly and freely. And if it's not feeling very abundant and free, if we're feeling weary and disheartened, then, then somehow we've gotten distracted from what God would have us be focused on. Now, it doesn't always mean it's going to be easy, but Jesus is the one who promises us that he'll show us the way. See, and as we fix our eyes on Jesus, what we learn from Jesus is that our goal uh, is rediscovering the joy in life that comes only through the Spirit of God at work within us. Living the life that God has called us to live is what leads us to the abundant life that he wants us to experience. Now, it isn't always going to be easy to say no to the people and the things in life that seek our time and our attention and our allegiances. And yet what we learn from Jesus' example is that if we stay focused on what God's best for our life is, we will discover joy in the journey. But here's the the one caveat, I think, that comes out of this passage for me too. It's an important note. When did the joy come for Jesus? Was it before the cross? It was after the cross, right? 
Jesus didn't go skipping, throwing flowers through the countryside saying, Woo, I get to go to the cross. I get to go to the cross. No, he said, in the darkness of night with his soul bleeding tears, Father, if it be your will, let this cup pass from me. And yet not my will, yours be done. And in giving up the control of his life to trust his father who had the best plan for his life, he discovered the joy of his life being used to save our souls and the whole world. The joy of his life fulfilling the purpose for why God sent him in the first place. Men and women, our greatest joy comes when we are living fully in the purpose of God for your life and for mine. That same joy is what he wants us to find in our own lives. But the challenge is we have to learn to travel light. And Jesus knew this, and he taught his disciples in many different ways how they should think about the importance and the essential need as Christ followers to travel light in our lives. And I want to look at some of his words in chapter 14 of Luke, verses 25 to 33. Large crowds were traveling with Jesus. And turning to them, he said, and turning to them, he said, (laughs) if anyone comes to me and does not hate father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, even their own life, such a person cannot be my disciple. And whoever does not carry their cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. Suppose one of you wants to build a tower. Won't you first sit down and estimate the cost to see if you have enough money to complete it? For if you lay the foundation and are not able to finish it, everyone who sees it will ridicule you, saying, this person began to build and wasn't able to finish. Or suppose a king is about to go to war against another king. Won't he first sit down and consider whether he is able with 10,000 men to oppose the one coming against him with 20,000? If he is not able, he will send a delegation while the other is still a long way off and will ask for terms of peace. In the same way, those of you who do not give up a few things, who do not give up everything you have, cannot be my disciples. Ouch. (laughs) I don't want to give up everything. Do you? In the same way, those of you who do not give up everything you have cannot be my disciple. Men and women, are we truly disciples of Jesus? Or do we like to be touristy Christians who put on the clothes and wear the garments but go about our lives as if we are in control? And I can tell you as your pastor, (laughs) I struggle with that. I struggle with that. See, in order to follow Jesus and to travel light, I don't believe that Jesus is saying, if you say yes to me, you're going to lose everything in your life. 
But what he's saying is you have to be willing to lose anything in your life to let me rule in your hearts. Because if you're not willing to let anything go and possibly everything go, then that thing has greater allegiance in your heart and in your life than I do. And if you haven't given me full allegiance and follow me as your master to to live an obedient life in the same way that I have to the Father, you're not truly my disciple. Because you're not really following me. You're not living out my words in your life. And as a result, that's why you're not experiencing the joy. Because there's only one way that the joy comes, and that's after the cross. When we die to ourselves, and we willingly say, God, we've made a mess of it. I can't control my life. Everything that I'm doing is is not working, and I have to allow you to give me the guidance and the truth in my life so that I can learn again how to truly live as a disciple is when we begin to experience the joy and the power of God's spirit in our lives. And I can tell you, men and women, that this works in your marriage, and it works with your kids, and it works with your grandkids, and it works in your career and in your workplace. And it's how we become light in the darkness and how we change the world around us. I believe the reason why the church is not impacting our culture more than it is is because we've allowed ourselves to become cultural, touristy Christians, and we don't even realize that we're not following Jesus anymore. And again, I have to confess As a pastor, I'm the number one tour guide. (laughs) See, I think we need to wrestle with these questions together and in safety and in grace, not beat ourselves up because of it, but to discover that there's a whole nother way of experiencing Christ in our lives that we're missing. And in the joy set before us, begin to die to ourselves in a fresh new way so that we can experience new life again in him. In the same way, those of you who do not give up everything you have cannot be my disciples. That's a tough word, and yet it's the path to joy. We need to be willing to let go of anything that gets in the way of God's calling in our lives. Now for us, again, as a family, we began to recognize that in our home life, we we needed to learn how to keep things simple. We began to clean out the closets and the garage. and, And yes, our physical space is important, but even more importantly, we needed to look at our calendar and our time together and and ask how intentional are we investing in our time and our relationships and doing our own soul care so that we're giving our best to one another. And I can tell you, it's a struggle. I don't know how to do it. I I got back to work and I got sucked right back into the busyness of life and and we're going 10 ways from Sunday and I'm scrambling going, I don't want to do this anymore, but I don't know how to change. And so as a staff, we're, we're trying to build in new rhythms. And one of the challenges that we're taking as a staff is to sit down long enough and it's taken multiple weeks and we're not done yet, but we're looking at the annual calendar And we're saying, how do we begin to intentionally block out times on our annual calendar for soul care and rest, for shared experiences as a staff, for pursuing life together outside of the office and on Sunday mornings to be a part of the world around us? And if we can begin to redeem some of our time intentionally for Jesus in the things that he says are most important, our hope is that we will begin to experience a different rhythm of life together this year. What about for your family? 
What about for your marriage? What about your own career? Are there ways that you need to unpack your calendar and you need to rediscover a whole new way of doing life, recognizing that sometimes less is more? So I want to give us three areas of life this morning that I I think we can spend time unpacking. We're going to go through them really quickly. And then I'm going to give us three things that I think the Bible teaches us we can do to be able to unpack those well in an ongoing way. So, So the three areas we need to unpack are busyness, beliefs, and burdens. Busyness, beliefs, and burdens. You know, our our time and our schedules become so filled that we have no margin and no space in our lives that, that we don't even realize that we're missing some of these most important things that Jesus says we should be investing our time in. And we need to become more and more intentional about getting ahead in our calendars and our scheduling for these most important things. And and what are the most important things that we should be spending our time on? Shared experiences and caring for our own souls. Because if we're not doing those two things, all the other busyness doesn't really matter. It it doesn't get us further down the road of what God is calling us to be and to do and experience as Jesus' disciples. Have you guys ever uttered the phrase I I just did yesterday? (laughs) If only I had more time. If only I had more time. Tammy's uh, away at Cascades Camp for the Covenant Women's Retreat this weekend, and so Lucas and I are having a guys weekend, right? And so I, I, I'm trying to, to have a fun weekend with Lucas, and I'm trying to do the sermon planning, and it gets to the end of the night last night, and I, I turned to Lucas and I said, I wish I just had one more day this weekend. If I just had one more day. Dallas Willard, in an article he wrote, made a profound statement that has stuck with me, and I can't get it out of my mind. He said, time is made not found. Time is made, not found. If I wish I had one more day this weekend, whose fault is that? Is that God's fault because he, he, he only gave us seven days in the week, or is it my fault that I haven't managed and stewarded that, that time according to what is most important and the priority is in my life? See, I'm going to go so far this morning, men and women, to say I believe that busyness is a demonic strategy in our culture to keep Christians ineffective. I believe busyness is a demonic strategy in our culture to keep you ineffective to keep you ineffective as a spouse, to keep you ineffective as a Christian friend, to keep you ineffective as a parent, to keep you ineffective in in making a difference in the world around you. Because we talked about when you get to the importance of soul care, how how, how an energized, spiritually empowered, refreshed you is the most powerful thing that you can give to those you love. And yet how often do we live stressed out, overwhelmed, burned out lives? All we're giving to one another is the leftovers. And so we're not making an impact. We're not experiencing the power of life that Christ calls us to because all we're living on is the gas fumes of our lives and that's all we're giving away to the world around us. Men and women, time is made, not found. God has given us the gift of time to steward wisely in order to be representatives of his kingdom. We need to start unpacking our calendars and asking, how are we investing the time that we've been given? 
Which leads us to the second thing that we need to unpack is our beliefs. We got to spend time unpacking our beliefs. And I'm not talking about our theology. Yeah, that's important what we believe about God and his Christians. But it's those unspoken beliefs that we carry with us that we know are there, but we don't really, really pay attention to them. We don't really talk about them. We have to begin to let go of the lies we believe. And we, we, we could do a whole series just on this one, but I want to suggest two areas where we need to pay attention and maybe God will prompt you to focus in on one area of your life this week and in the days ahead. And the first one is that somehow I won't be happy or fulfilled if I begin to say no to all of the incredible choices and opportunities I have in my life. As American, capitalist, Western Christians, I think we have the false belief that is a part of the lie of the enemy is that if we begin to say no to all of the choices and all of the opportunities that we have in our modern world, that somehow we're not going to be fulfilled. We're going to be left behind. And, and yet, do you understand that, that the most affluent, prosperous culture ever in the history of the world is also the most depressed disenfranchised and disheartened people on the face of the planet? What it, why is that? What gain does it profit a person, Jesus said last week, right? To gain the whole world and lose your soul. Men and women, we need soul recovery. And we need to unpack these lies that we believe from Satan that somehow we need more and we need to pack our lives with all of these things and that somehow we need to keep up with the Joneses in order to be happy. And the reality is that sometimes less is more. And the second aspect of that, and, and I think this is true for us as a church, but, but I want to challenge us to ask if this is true for us personally. Just because we've always done it that way doesn't mean that we have to assume that we can't do something different. <laughs> Just because we've always done it that way doesn't mean that we have to assume that we can't do something different. What are the ways that you are perhaps stuck in a rut in your life and you fall into the lie or the belief that somehow it's never going to change? It can never be different. I can never experience life differently. I was a failure from the time I was born. I'm always going to be a failure. I'm never going to change. Lies. What is it that you've chosen to believe about your life that you think can never change? And, and can you begin to, to dream a new dream and think differently that maybe in this moment, God is saying to you, I want you to give up that lie and open to yourself to the new thing that I want to do in you and in your life. I think it's true, isn't it, that we know something isn't right in this world. We know something isn't working in our lives. And yet somehow we think if we just keep doing the same thing we're already doing over and over again, that somehow it's going to change, but it doesn't. And, and we begin to give up the hope that a different possible future can exist. And, and yet God is saying that if we trust him and don't believe that, uh, that the way it's always been has to be the way it'll be, maybe something new can be sparked in your heart, in your life, in the season ahead. But in order to do that, number three is I think we have to unpack the burdens that we carry. We got to be willing to unpack 
the burdens that we carry. Oftentimes we carry so much unnecessary baggage in our lives, things that God doesn't want us to carry that we should have given up a long time ago, and yet we cling to them, past wounds and hurts, betrayals, things that, that, that are not the way we think they should be, but there's nothing we can do about it, and so we hold a sense of bitterness in our lives. There's so much baggage that we carry in our lives, and, and Jesus came to set us free from all that to bring his healing and his wholeness in our lives and our relationships. But men and women, we got to be willing to drop the bags and get on with our life. If only we could travel life more fr- through life more freely without all of this extra emotional baggage. But, but it starts with fixing our eyes on Jesus. And trusting that his sacrifice on the cross for you was enough to overcome all of those wounds and those hurts. To bring healing and forgiveness in your life so that you're not bound to whatever somebody else has done to you. You're not chained to the past. You're free to live into a whole new future. And in spite of what's happened, to discover that God has a plan for your life. And he wants to bless you. He wants you to experience the joy of freedom in Christ as well. Maybe you think no one cares about you or you have no value or you feel unloved or nobody really understands what you've experienced or what you're going through. Wrong, wrong, wrong. God knows and God loves you just the way you are. And that's why we say over and over again, there's nothing that you've done and there's nothing that you can do that can separate you from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. If we believe that, if we're willing to bank our life on that, then Jesus says, if you're willing to give up everything and anything, you'll discover that there's a way to joy and wholeness on the path of following Christ. Jesus said, you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Max Licato in a book called Traveling Light, which I haven't read the book, but I was doing some research on Traveling Light and noticed that he had written a book, so I stole a quote. (laughs) Traveling Light means trusting God with the burdens you were never intended to bear. I love that phrase, trusting God with the burdens you were never intended to bear. Can we trust God with those deeper, wounded places in our lives in a way that allows them to not be burdens anymore? I want to close this morning by looking at three things that Paul says we can pursue in unpacking our lives from Philippians 3, 13 to 15. We'll go through these quick. Brothers and sisters, he says, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. And this is giving up everything for Christ, right? And so Paul and I, I, I haven't taken hold of this. I'm not perfect in this. I am I, not doing it well myself. And yet... What I do is forgetting what is behind, straining toward what is ahead. I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. All of us then who are mature should take such a view of things. And if on some point you think differently, that God too, that too God will make clear to you. So real quick, three things. Number one, Paul is saying we got to travel light. You got to eliminate distractions. Forget 
what is in the past. Don't look back, look forward. All those things that you assume are with you forever, God is wanting to heal and forgive and overcome. Don't focus on the past. Don't even focus on past success. What worked yesterday might not work tomorrow. Focus on God's future. Eliminate distractions. How can we be very intentionally focused in our lives personally about sitting before the Father and in the power of the Holy Spirit saying, God, what are the things that are the distractions in my life? What are the things that are taking my eyes off of Jesus and preventing me from experiencing your healing and your power in my life because I'm focused on the wrong things? Eliminate distractions. And the second thing is he says, lean into God's future. Lean into God's future. He used the phrase straining toward what is ahead. And one author I read online in a blog said that this picture of straining forward, the best image he could come up with is like a wide receiver in the NFL, right? Who's racing down the sideline for a Hail Mary pass, and he's getting to the end zone, and he's not going to be able to reach it by a normal reach, right? So what does he have to do? He has to extend his full body, leaping in the air to catch the football and land in the end zone to get the touchdown, Right? I mean, you jump off your couch for those plays, don't you? (laughs) I love the idea that's what Paul is saying. Lean into God's future. Stretch out full force to catch the pass that Jesus is throwing to you so you can land the catch and make the touchdown and you can experience the joy of God's power at work in your life. We see it in the, in the NFL, but why don't we experience it in our spiritual lives? Because we're not willing to take the leap of faith, to extend ourselves in a way that stretches us because it, it might be uncomfortable. We actually might fall on the ground and get hurt because we're afraid. We don't trust that if we leap into the air and extend ourselves that God will catch us and that will complete the play. That's why he says, if you don't trust in this, if you have any other view, the third point is you need to develop spiritual discernment. Develop spiritual discernment. All of us then who are mature should take such a view. And if at some point you think differently, that too God will make clear to you. Are we willing, men and women, to spend time long enough on our knees before God, asking for God to reveal his will and his plan for our lives so that we can trust that when we take that leap into the end zone, he's there to catch us and to complete the play. You see, discernment comes through, A, knowledge of God's word. God's word is the mirror by which we hold up our knowledge to say, is my thinking in line with what God has revealed about his heart and his plan for my life? And then it comes through prayer. We have to be in conversation with God and trusting that not only do we speak to God, but God is going to speak to us. And if we wait for his answer, he will reveal what his will is for our life. And I want to add to that, the only way that we can truly confirm that what we're hearing is from God is by doing it in Christian community. God has given us to be the reflective mirror to one another that what he says in his word and what we think we're hearing in our prayer life is confirmed by the community around us. And then we can trust that we are keeping in step with God's spirit. The men and women, the starting point is always at the foot of the cross of Jesus Christ. Anyone who who does not give up everything 
cannot be my disciple. But when we recognize that it's not in our own wisdom and our own strength that we can even hope to do this, and we admit our weaknesses and our shortcomings, and and even as professional Christians, as pastors, we can admit that we all struggle with this, and this is part of the spiritual journey that we have to take together. Maybe we begin to, to discover that there's a miraculous power of God's Spirit to change our hearts from the inside out, and that life can be different. I know I need this in my life. I know that we need to encourage one another in this as a faith community. And I know that God is calling us as faith covenant church in the season ahead to get good at traveling light, whatever that means for you and for me. What areas of your life do you need to be unpacking in the season ahead? God's invitation to us all is to learn to travel light so that we can begin to have space and room for more shared experiences and learn to care for our own souls well so that we can truly become a blessing to those around us. Amen? Let's pray. Holy God, we do thank you that you are a God who speaks and that you do not leave us alone in our darkness and in the disheartened conditions of our own soul, but you meet us through your mercy and your grace and you challenge us to give up our false assumptions and the lies we've believed to discover a new hope in Christ. That if we put our trust in him and we're willing to let everything else go, that we can experience the joy that you set before him, the joy of living into the very purpose for why you created us and called us as disciples of your son, Jesus. God, heal us again this morning and give us the courage to extend ourselves and lean into your future, knowing that we can trust that you have us in your hands. It's in Jesus' name we pray.